This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Grace Fellowship Deep Dive Podcast. Uh, like I say I'll, every time, hope you're having a good week. I hope things are going well, and if not, um, hang in there. Well, maybe this will be uplifting for you. Yeah, hopefully it'll be uplifting. Yeah, well, it's uh, well, it's pitfalls of pride. It is. So, I guess well, falling, lifting. We'll, something. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure something. Hey, hopefully it'll be good. This what? This is episode 42, Johnny. Yes, sir. That's crazy, right? It is crazy. I mean, that, means, that means, let's think about this. So, episode 42, how many weeks are there in a year? 52. 50. Yeah, 52. So we're 10 episodes away from a year. That's and great. Probably, and it we've skipped like, a week or two. So It feels like we've been doing this for about three months. I know. But and that's we good. Certainly, and certainly the quality is as, as if we've been doing it for three it months. Feel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's... Yeah. In a year, I don't know if there's been much of a difference. Uh, we're trying to improve, but it's it's inches for us, not feet. So. Exactly. Well, when you're working with the mind... With our minds and brains, yeah. you don't, you're not gonna get much. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. So we're in the pitfalls of pride, which is good because I just totally bashed ourselves. So that's good. That means that we're very humble, right? Uh, well, I hope. Yeah. Hopefully, it wasn't like some kind of false, false, false humility, pride. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in case you're, in case you're uh, listening now and didn't know, uh, so Drew. Rummel preached this last Sunday. Yeah, but he's one of our elders. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it wasn't because you you're not allowed to preach on pride <laughs> because you're too proud to preach. <laughs> That's not it. On pride, it's because you were gone. I was gone. You went to uh, you went to uh, Las Vegas I and did. you competed in a tournament. I did. Uh, how did that go? Uh, yeah, it were, went, you, were you humbled? I, I well, you know, um, well, I, I didn't win the whole thing, so I got third place, which for for that tournament was really good. I I, I was. In many ways, pretty happy with with how it turned out. I just didn't want to get embarrassed. That was my main goal. I, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, I was like, I don't want to go and, and not and get embarrassed. And and I wasn't embarrassed. I I lost uh, I lost my final match by three points. Um, the only points scored on me at the tournament, and um, and it was it was it was great. It was really fun to be there with some teammates and that kind of stuff. But uh, but I'm back, and uh, you know, from Sin City, it was in Vegas. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, I wrote a blog post about my visit to Vegas. Uh, if you're interested, you can go to my Facebook and read it. I I, I have a new new uh, favorite city to hate. Really don't like it. I really do not like Vegas. Yeah, I, I don't like it. But anyways, this, okay. is, this isn't about that. So. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Vegas is actually built for you, except for you made the tournaments. But yeah. <laughs> well, that's an, yeah, that's an air conditioning and and away from. Oh, you're talking about the heat too, and just all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I didn't really the, talk about the heat, but yeah, I hated the heat. The heat was horrible. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty. Uh, I've been to Vegas twice, and you know, of course, I didn't utilize Vegas the way Vegas is supposed no, to be. No, I did not either. Yeah. But, to, to be clear. But the, yeah, exactly. But it's like one of those things where even just kind of walking around, I mean, it's got some good, good architecture and stuff. It's kind of historic, I guess, kind of cool, but it's hot, so hot. And, well, it's so hot. And quite frankly, the culture, at least, you know, in the places like, into. uh, yeah. in the place, some of the places I went, I was, I was horrified. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been there. I probably haven't been there. Honestly. Wow. I think about it, maybe like 15 years, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there, there are cool things there. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. there are some really, really bad things. Yeah. Too. Okay. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. So we're kind of, you know, talking about, I think, you know, even transitioning Vegas is kind of one of those places where you go to maybe feel good about yourself and puff yourself up and maybe make some money and, you know, and, <laughs> and indulge in, in yourself. And we're going to talk about maybe stripping ourselves down. Yeah. That's you know? right. We're going to talk about doing the opposite of exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, 
So why, you know, Drew kind of talked about, you know, boasting of weaknesses and, and how yeah. it's important to do that um, and beneficial to ourselves and to others. And why is, why is that? It doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because I think so much of, of our, of the things that are talked about in scripture boil down to really basic doctrines in the Christian faith. And I think this is another one of those cases um, and, and really does actually kind of connect with, with what my observations regarding Vegas, to be honest with you. Um, but really, really it boils down to, you know, the reality that humanity has fallen, the reality that sin affects us. And, and I know we talk about that a lot on this podcast. I talk about that a lot in my sermons. The reason is because it is the root cause of, of, pretty much everything bad we experience. And, and so we, we need to recognize that. And, and you think about that, we are a fallen race, fallen, you know, humanity's fallen. Uh We have, we have sin that impacts every single one of us. And yet we struggle with pride. You'd think it'd have the opposite effect. You'd think that that all the fallenness and and sin would cause us to be more humble, but it doesn't. Part of that is pride. And so our, our actual sin and, and fallenness part of that is, is the sin of pride. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's kind of ironic, I guess, um, that that's the case, but, but I think that's one of the things that, uh, that we don't, we just really don't recognize enough that our our own, um, our, our own, our own pride, our own sin, our own fondness. So when we, when we, when we boast in our weaknesses, we are, we are boasting in something that allows people to see the glory and the greatness of God. Because we recognize, because when you boast in your weaknesses, that's not pride, that's actually humility. That's saying, look, I'm falling too. Look, I've got issues too. And so when you do that and you say, look, I've, I've, I'm fallen, I've got sin issues, here, here's my issues, or, whether, or, or it's suffering, whatever it is, it's, it's all, we boast in that also that we can see the glory of God. That that's the whole point of it. It's not it's not look at me. It's 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 if you're going to look at me, look at how look at look at how I suffer or look at how messed up I am or look at look at how I struggle so that you can see that God works even through my weaknesses and the glory of God is lifted up. So there's a, a kind of a desire for us to humanly speaking to to be great, to be the best, right? Yeah. I mean there's this kind of desire for us in there, like you said, we're kind of fallen anyways. Yeah. There's no, there's no way that for that to achieve that. Is there some sort of correlation between the admiring or, or exalting the greatness of God? Does that like satisfy that in us? Or is it, is it even a little bit kind of be a little selfish in the fact that we want God to work in us so that mm-hmm. we can be great? Well, you know, obviously God sees a heart, right? And if, and if we kind of, there's that false humility that I like can reference yeah, a minute earlier, or two yeah. ago. Yeah. Where we go, oh, you know, what was me? And, and we kind of have this, this false humility, but we're really doing it so that people will look at us, not look at God. Well, God knows our heart. And so I guess, you know, you kind of leave that judgment up to God. And so there, there can absolutely be a false humility where you're, where you're saying, yeah, look at me. I'm, I'm, look how much I've suffered. Uh, look, look at whatever it is, whatever weakness it is I have. But your goal is so that people will feel sorry for you. My 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 dad used to call it plum disease. Poor little old me, P L O M. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, uh, and it was, and it was, but really it wasn't, it wasn't so that we could say, look, look how weak I am, but look at, look at the glory of God and look how he works through my weaknesses. It was so that you'd feel sorry for me. Cause I, I really want you to look at me and feel sorry for me. Yeah. You know, so there's a difference obviously in, in motivation. Um, but I think we got to trust that, you know, God sees the heart. We, mm-hmm. we don't. And so it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to do distinguish between false humility and true humility for us, but God knows. But the beauty of it, it sounds like that God is actually building us up and making us great again, Mm. but ultimately he's the reason for it and we're thankful for it, but we don't get a big head over it because it's truly God working in us. I mean, he is redeeming us. He is restoring us. He is bringing us back to uh, what he had intended us to be. Right. To some degree. I mean, obviously we won't see it completely this side of eternity, but... Well, you, and, and again, you go back to the beginning, right? God created uh, everything and everything was good. And then he created humanity and humanity was very good, right? And so there is a sense in which among all of creation, humanity holds a unique place. And, and you know, we bear the image of God. The rest of creation does not. Um, and so there are some significant things that God created us not only to be good, not to be average, but to be very good and and. For him to build us in back into, you know, we, we, we fell, you know, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered the world, death entered the world, knowledge of good and evil entered the world um, in, a, in a new way anyways. And, and, and humanity tried to put itself up on the, on the throne and be God in a sense. And so, so all those things happened and really harmed humanity. And so God, now God's at work in us trying to rebuild us, as you said, trying to make us what he created us to, to be again. Well, he, and he's done that through the cross and we'll eventually see the fruition of that when Christ returns, when we receive our, our, our glorified bodies and, and all of those things. And so, you know, so, so God is absolutely at work mm-hmm. in rebuilding us, remaking us. Um, and, and in this life, we, are, we walk around with both our fallen nature, it's still there, and we, and we walk around also with the realization that we have been given the righteousness of, of Christ, that we have been justified before God, and that he has declared us um, holy or righteous uh, as far as eternity is concerned. But we still walk around in a fallen world with, with, with a, a fallen, broken humanity um, until he brings all those things to fruition. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of confusion in, in you know, even just... It's so important, I think, as believers, I think, as people who have... Uh, are following Christ to really constantly examine ourselves because it's so easy to become deceived and all that. And uh, looking at like you mentioned doctrines earlier, um, as we study and, yeah. and examine and as we learn new doctrines, new ideas, new you know philosophies, or even just how we engage with the, with our day, um, it's easy to be deceived. Yeah. Why is it so important that we are careful when it comes to doctrine and? Well, you know, there's there's certainly doctrinal issues we can have differences on, um, and and it's not that big a deal. However, when it comes to the core doctrinal issues, it, it is really important that we understand Scripture correctly, and that we study that, and that we learn that. Because if you get, I'll just give you an example. I mean, you know, people, uh, you know, the Nicene Creed, the Council of Nicaea, you know, in the in the early three hundreds, the whole the whole disagreement in the church uh, was about about Jesus, about his nature, about what, you know, was, was he fully human and fully God or not? And, that, and, and, and there was a battle over that. And the problem is if you have, for instance, a Jesus that is not fully human, then you have a kind of Superman that, that isn't really human at all. And, and, 
and his experiences, um, whether right. it be temptation, whether it be experiencing loss, whether well, the, the normal human experiences that we have, you look at it and go, he didn't even have those. Yet the author of Hebrews says he did. He did. He absolutely had those. If he's not fully God, then what difference does this sacrifice make? You know, you know, why is that significant that he died on a cross if he, if he did not, if he was not fully God? So this is a doctrine that, that he must be fully God and fully human. He must take both of all those things in one person. And that's important because then his, his sacrifice, his burial and his resurrection, all those mean what they need to mean in order for us uh, to really experience salvation, to be saved from our, our fallenness and our, and our sin. And so if you, if you miss those, if you miss, if you miss the fallenness and the doctrine of, um, you know, the doc, if you, if you get wrong when it comes to sin and fallenness, if you're wrong on that, then you, you have these ideas that we, we still sometimes see in certain cults and things like that, where, where, where you're told, oh, you can, you can earn your way to heaven. You can do enough good things. You can, you can, um, accomplish a sort of perfection so that you can enter into heaven or something like that. And that appears in, in various, various, uh, cults and things like that. And so, Understanding having having the core doctrines of creation, and you know God created everything. He created us good. He created us to be the image bearers of God. That we fell. Um, that He instituted a plan. That that plan was that the eternal divine Son of God took on human flesh. That that He went went to the grave. That He rose again. That He sits at the right hand of the Father. That there is an eternity future, um, and and some other doctrines like that along the way. If you don't have those right, you will be deceived, and you'll and you'll worship false gods. And that's why it's so, so important. And so a lot of times in the church we have, you know, Paul talks about him as these super apostles. Um, you know, Nietzsche talked about him as the, the Ubermachen, you know, the Superman. Um, he wasn't really talking about apostles, but anyways. I just perked up for it. You said Superman? I just perked up. Yeah, I know. Up. He's all excited. Is it? Yeah, comic, talking about comic books again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, let's talk about Superman. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But, you know, we have these things that, that will, will be deceived by these people and they find their way into the church and they come in as false teachers. And sometimes they're very popular false teachers and there's a lot of them around. So to have our doctrine right, super, super important. You talked about false teachers just now. Um, I, I know that we don't, none of us wake up and go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start believing in false doctrine. Yeah. You know, today's the day. Yeah, um, right. To, you know, um, why, do you think, why do you think it happens? I mean, why do you think we kind of taken false doctrine sometimes yeah well I mean, i'll give an extreme example uh two of them actually and then and then i'll um but there are less extreme examples that are still significant and and so so i'll, I'll kind of go to the the extreme to make the point but you know you have uh, a, a good example was you, you have islam i know i get in trouble for attacking islam right but here, here's the reality though muhammad uh went into this cave and he would go into these caves and and he was supposed to be you know, having these times of uh, meditation and things like that. And so, and so how Islam started was he goes into this cave and the story goes like this. He had an, an encounter with the angel Gabriel. The angel comes and, and basically gives him this revelation. And there's a whole bunch of details along the way that, that are significant. Um, and then he, but he actually initially believes that his experience was demonic, that he was demon possessed. As a matter of fact, he almost kills himself. And then his wife at the time says, no, 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 um, you're a prophet and convinces him, no, this isn't, this isn't of Satan. It's actually of God. And that, and that, that's kind of how, um, Islam starts, right? Another example, Joseph Smith, the guy credited with- Is that with, pretty well documented? 
Oh yeah, this is. Is it not just a like a oh, a Christian view of it, or is it is it? It's not just a Christian view. Okay. of Okay. No, 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 this isn't. This isn't Christians making stuff up. Okay. Um, Joseph Smith, same same kind of issue, same kind of thing. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you read the beginning of his on the beginning of of um, Joseph. Church of Latter Church, of, okay, whatever Mormons, Mormons, okay. Um, you there's a lot of similarities, scary similarities. So, so you know, he has this divine. Muhammad has this divine revelation that, you know, he thinks from the angel Gabriel, right? Joseph has a divine revelation and actually finds these, um, um, I guess manuscripts of of sort, but they're like written on gold. Right. And he, he protects him and then he has a special stone he puts in his hat. And and he, when he wears this hat with this special stone in it, he's able to translate them and things like this. And then you have the book of Mormon, you know, and and that kind of thing. And so, and so, but it's all, it's all based on these encounters with these angels. And that was true with Joseph Smith as well. So here's my, here's what, in those, ex, in those experiences, I think that was demonic. I think Muhammad actually got it right the first time. I think he had an experience with a demon of sorts. And, and I think Joseph Smith had the same thing. So Satan's at work, for, first of all. But how cool is it to go, hey, I've got a new revelation from God and my so revelation is better than pride. the old revelation. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, so, and so now I need to go to the church, which is what exactly what Joseph Smith did and exactly what Muhammad did. They went to the church of the time or the Jews at the time for, for Muhammad. He went to Jews and uh, the people of the book, as, as they call them. And so, and so they went to the church and said, hey, we need to unify around this. You guys have got it all wrong. I've received this new revelation. You need to follow me. And so the, the study of doctrine becomes extremely important because when you go and the author, along with the authority of scripture and go, wait a minute, what you guys are saying is not what scripture says. And to, to know that becomes extremely important so that you can reject false teachers and you can embrace the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And it's super, super, but it's not just these cults. It often has happens in much milder ways. Sure. Yeah, health, that, health, health and wealth gospel is a, is, a, is a good example as well, but there's other versions of that. And it sounds like it looks like maybe genuinely those, <laughs> those men were deceived sure. genuinely and had no idea and even thought it was a good thing. In some ways, you know, sure, I'm th- sure pride creeped in. I'm sure, you know, that, that puffed him up a little bit. Who knows? But yeah. but the reality is, is we just need to be careful. We need to be very careful, which I think is why it's important <laughs> that there's no new revelation, right? There's no... Right. Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, or is it- I, in a sense, I mean, there's no new revelation on the, on the as far as uh, the kind of revelation that, that we find that scripture represents. There's, we don't have that kind of revelation. That doesn't mean God can't speak to us or reveal things to us. He certainly can and does. Um, but we should always be careful with and that. test it, yeah. Right, and test it. And, be, and, and, the, and our number one test should be, does this, does what I think God is telling me, does it, does it represent or does it reflect what scripture teaches? And if it doesn't, then, then we, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, cause sometimes, you know, people, I've had people come to God told me, like, I, I always struggle when people say that, you know, yeah. if you want to get my attention in a negative way, say, just come up and say, God told me to tell you, right. That, that'll, that'll get my attention yeah. in, in, in a negative way pretty quick. Um, because I think that that's usually not true. Yeah. It's usually God didn't tell you that you just have this preference or this idea or whatever. That's not from God. That's from you. Yeah. And then you just have a weird feeling and then you just, yeah. No, and I, I've, I've seen that I'm, and I've had that before too. And I had, to, you have to look at it and go, but it doesn't really seem to line up with yeah. scripture or it does. And maybe I should do it. And I, 
I don't do it or something. Yeah, and, just, and or maybe scripture doesn't really speak to it, and so then you have to have discernment in other ways. Yeah, right? and then you, that's why it's good to, to uh, seek wise counsel in that. Yeah, that's go, right. Go to someone you trust. And, right. Uh, I digress. Anyways, uh, you mentioned you talked about the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, is that right, Nicaea? Yeah. And um, you know, I've always kind of struggled with this this idea of that the Holy Spirit can teach us through Scripture, right? All that we need to know, uh-huh. which makes sense. He's our He's our counselor. He's our He's our teacher. He gives us wisdom. Um, but then you look at um, studying through commentaries or, you know, trying to figure out beyond that. Is there, yeah. a, is there a reason? Do we need commentaries? Do we need these things? Um, is, is the Holy Spirit enough to teach us? Because I've seen people get in trouble yeah, when yeah. they try to interpret Scripture themselves. Right. So, you know, like, is the Holy Spirit working in them or, you know? Yeah, this, this comes from this idea. You know, Jesus is talking to disciples, right? This comes from John. And, he, and, and it basically it says... Um, he, you know, he says the Holy Spirit will come and teach you, you know, teach you or whatever. Well, the idea there isn't, isn't, Hey, you're going to learn all these new things. Although it might've been in some ways for the disciples because some of them were going to write scripture. Right. But they had already received the teaching from Jesus, right? Jesus had been teaching them, you know, and teaching them a lot more than what's even recorded. We, we have these time periods where we don't have much written about what he said to them, um, in a direct way, you know, like, like, uh, you know, and then he went on for 40 days and taught them about the kingdom of God. You know, we have that in Acts and things like, things like that, where there's this, these time periods, he was with them for three years and was constantly teaching them. Um, and so, and so then the Holy, then he says, Hey, don't worry, I'm not going to be here, but the Holy spirit will, will be here. But the Holy spirit, will, basically what he's saying is the Holy spirit will remind you of all that I've taught you. Right. What does, what does the great commission say? Go and teach what the Holy spirit has taught you. No, no, no. It says, it says, it says, go and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. In other words, what we are to teach is what Jesus taught. And that's what the disciples were to teach. That was what they were told to teach, what, what Jesus has commanded them. Not what not these new things that they had never heard before that the Holy Spirit gave them. The idea, because there wasn't going to be anything new. It was going to be a, an understanding or a reminding of what Jesus had already taught them. And so in that sense, the Holy Spirit continues to teach us. And does this Holy Spirit guide us in, in wisdom and discernment and things like that and making all kinds of different decisions? Sure, absolutely. But but when that what regarding that passage, the Holy Spirit is, is basically saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you new new things, but they're based on what you've already learned, if that makes sense. Or it's a reminder of what you've already learned. And 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 so or or a greater in-depth understanding of what you've already learned from Jesus. And so that's that's how we should view scripture, right? The Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us according to scripture, never contrary to it. And oftentimes, most often, it's a deeper understanding of what's already written that maybe we didn't have that deeper understanding before, but the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us. Is that, is that all we need, though? Don't, then do we say, oh, well, we don't need commentaries and things like that. No, it doesn't mean that. We should absolutely read commentaries. Commentaries help us understand the culture at the time. It's commentaries help us, help us, help us understand some of the intricacies of the, of the uh, grammar regarding the Greek language or the Hebrew language, depending on what you're reading about. And that can be extremely helpful in, in understanding the text itself. And so the Holy Spirit can work through that. Is it, you know, do commentaries get it wrong? Yes. That's why we don't treat them like scripture. And that's why it's good to be, to use discernment. Right. And not only that, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I read, man, sometimes I'll read six or seven different commentaries on one passage. Well, if they were inspired, well, I wouldn't need that, right? Like if I if, if, if the commentaries themselves were the inspired word of God, I just need the I just need that one. I don't need the rest. Yeah, but I don't. I get different perspectives and different ideas. Use discernment. Really study the text itself. Try to understand the historical and the grammatical context, um, so that I can explain it well and faithfully according to what the author intended it to to mean. Um, you know, both 
obviously God, but through whichever author he was working at that time. And so, and so, so they're very, very important. Uh, you know, Bible dictionaries, all that, all that kind of stuff is super, super helpful, but they're helpful. They're not authoritative. It's always good to know that this is just a, a tool, but I always go back to scripture and everything goes back to scripture. Everything yeah. is examined through scripture. It, it's a different kind of pride when, when a person goes, Oh, the Bible says, and then and they never really take time to consider the context, whether it's historical or whether it's grammatical or whatever the context is. They, they, when they say, when they proof text, if you will, is a word that's often used to, oh, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Um, can't think of one right now. But, but the point is that, you know, you go back and you say, oh, the Bible says, da, 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 da. And you've taken one verse, you've taken completely, oh, you know, a great one is Jeremiah 29, 11 or something like that. God plan. knows the plans I have yeah. for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and all that stuff. And, and people never consider the context and they, they go, see, God, God has great plans for you. He's going to, everything's going to be wonderful and great. Well, read the context. The context is is that the Jews are going to go through seventy years of of a really really hard time. It hasn't started yet. Yeah, it hasn't started yet. And so, you know, so that can be extremely important. Commentaries can help us and remind us of context and things like that. And so, it is important to have that um, as we read scripture. Well, yeah, you know, I think we try to try to become stronger, more bold, and all that kind of stuff, and more uh, self assured in Christ. Obviously, you look right. at Paul, the Apostle right. Paul. I mean, he was that. He was. <laughs> He was the super apostle, essentially. People look at him like that. You know, he was he was a stud yeah. in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, he boasts in his weakness. Yeah, and he did, and that's a, that's the cool thing. else you know, you know, he got to he. You know, Drew was mentioning how he had a vision of some sort. Yeah. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, he does not know. Right. But God, because of that, I mean, he was already probably tend to be tended to be a little humble, anyways. But yeah. God gave him a thorn in his flesh yeah. to keep him humble. Um, why why is suffering? The key to staying humble. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times as I sit with people who are struggling and hurting and suffering um, in some way or another, it's financial, it's relational, it's whatever. Um, there's all kinds of physical suffering. Um, sometimes, not everybody, but but a good portion of people, maybe even a significant minority, but um, we'll, we'll kind of, why is God doing this? Why is God letting this happen to me? Because we have this idea that God is there to make our lives pleasant. Well, yeah, you know, the plans I have for you, John declares the Lord, yeah, right? Plans right? to prosper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that, but that's exactly it. The misuse of that verse and other verses is kind of that. And, and, and it's like, Oh, it's going to be all wonderful until it's not. And then we go, but why is God letting this happen? Why am I suffering? Why am I experiencing physical hardships? Why am I experiencing financial hardships? I mean, there could be lots of reasons, right? Like financial hardships. Maybe you just screwed up. Like you maybe didn't make good decisions. Yeah, yeah. That's possible. Um, God's not going to bless your bad decisions. On the other hand, um, maybe you did make good decisions, generally speaking. And I don't know, the housing market crash like look in 2008, Job. right? I mean, Job's always the, the classic. Yeah, Job. Example. Look at Job. You know, he loses all, all his wealth and whatever. Well, we can that can happen to us too. And even when we make wise decisions, why is God letting this happen? Because it's not about you. It's really about the glory of God, right? That's the whole point of all of it. It's not about our lives being pleasant. And if, and if that's all you're seeking after, if all you're striving after is I want our lot, my life to be pleasant. I want to remove the hardships and experience, um, those things that make me happy. I'm kind of putting, I'll put happy in air quotes. You can't see, but Johnny can see. I can see you're doing happy. You're doing, bunny, doing air quotes, right? You're like little bunny ears or something like that. Doing yeah. bunny ears yeah, on yeah, the side, yeah. which is air quotes. Okay. Uh, okay. So, I never knew that. So I'm putting happy in air quotes, um, but 
But we think that until, but what we, what we don't realize is that our pursuit of happiness, the modern understanding of happiness, um, doesn't really lead to happiness. It often leads to destruction, right? You know, the proverb says there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is in destruction. Um, and, and it's so true. And so we think that this is the right way to go, but what, what God does is he comes along and he kind of says, says, look, it's not really about you, but you will find a fulfilled life when you serve me, when you worship me, when you worship the God of the universe. And so, so I think that that's kind of, you know, the mistake we make, um, is we kind of, we kind of lose, lose sight of that. And we think, oh, it's just about this and that and the other thing. So God does give us a thorn in the flesh sometimes. Um, for Paul, we have this very specific example, although we don't know exactly what the thorn is. Um, but for us, it could be finances. It could be health. It could be, uh, relational. It could, it could be a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it keep, it does keeps us humble. It keeps us on our knees before God. And that's where God wants us. That's where we ought to be. And that's even in the best mi- for us. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the midst of the suffering, we can find a peace that passes understanding and we can find contentment even in our difficult situations. Hmm. And, uh, and so that the thorn in the flesh drives us to our knees and drives us to our savior. And, and that's, that's ultimately good. There's something powerful in the sense of uh, of being able to be happy yeah. when life isn't great. Yeah. You know, to be able to almost have that, you know, we talked about earlier in the beginning of the podcast, how we... But a biblical happiness. Yeah, yeah, a exactly. Joy. Yeah, having a real joy. And, you know, going back to the beginning of the podcast, talked about just being kind of brought back to our original state, you know, which mm. was a, a state of of worshiping mm-hmm. someone greater than us, yeah. you know, and God working in us and, and building us back up to... But all the while knowing that still being on our knees is the best place to be in that relationship with him and and just loving him and and honoring him and and worshiping and glorifying him is where we need to be. Yeah. And he still will build us up. Right. You know, um, but he'll, but he wants us to stay humble, which is, yeah, it's a, it's a hard, I think it's a hard thing because we do, as we become, as he builds us up, we start to gain this confidence and we start, okay, I do this now. And you know, that leads me to my last question. Um, don't we need confidence, John? Don't we need pride? Don't we need these things to kind of achieve things? God wants us to do stuff, right? Yeah. You know, he wants, you know, you to lead a church and he wants you to to, to grow a church and grow the kingdom and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that take confidence, John? Doesn't that, that need, don't you need pride to be able to stand up there every week or get into your office on Monday morning after you've had a rough, oh, yeah, you know, week, you know, uh, a rough Sunday or whatever. Don't you need that, that confidence to get back on that horse? You know, yeah. how do you balance that? I mean, how do you, how do you marry those two together? Yeah. Well, confidence is super important and it's not a sin, you know, confidence is not a sin and we need to distinguish between that. Cause there are some Christians who kind of feel like it is. They kind of, if you're confident, then it's you're prideful or arrogant. It's like, well, no, It's not that I don't know my faults and my sin, you know, my sin nature and my struggles and whatever. I I know those. Um, But what I'm confident in is not my own ability or my greatness or things like that. And this is where I think, you know, we hear this from athletes a lot. Um, Athletes are always like, I got to believe in myself. And and I'm always like, "Eh, I have a little bit different approach, you know. and I, and I engage in some athletic endeavors, you know, not professional kind of stuff, but, but some high level stuff. And, um, and so, you know, so, so a lot of, a lot of the arenas I'm in, or a lot of the areas I'm in and a lot of the people I spend time with are always like, you gotta believe in yourself. I'm like, no, I really don't. Um, I gotta believe that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, in the Christian realm, I've got to believe that I've got to honor God and glorify God in all that I do. You know, I got to do everything for the glory of God. Um, 
I, I got I to gotta do that. But I don't have to believe that it's going to be anything that I have accomplished in the end that is going to be successful. It's all going to be whatever God has given me and however God's decided to work through me, then, then that's what, where my confidence is. This is what Paul had. It was never about what his accomplishments and he, and he had some, it was always about, look, even in my weaknesses, God accomplishes great things. He, his confidence was, was in that he was called to that ministry and that God was using him. That's where his confidence was. It wasn't anything about himself. Wouldn't shake him. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so when the critics came, it wasn't, Oh, I'm not very good. Oh, maybe I'm yeah. not very good. I, man, I must be really terrible. I'm a, I'm a horrible apostle. I, I need to go back to apostle school or something and, and really work on my skills or whatever. And not that he didn't grow and he wasn't humble and he was, you know, I think Paul would have probably been the first one if you confronted him on something. If, if I think he would have been, okay, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, if, if you were right, he might go, yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. I need to fix that. I need to adjust that. Right. He would have had that humility. But you can, you can have humility and have confidence at the same time. And I think that's what we see in Paul because he's boasting in what? His weakness. Yeah. Not in his strength. Not look at, look at all the plaques I have on the wall or the trophies or whatever. It's look, look, God has called me. Yeah. That's where my confidence is. It's almost like that's where where true confidence comes in is where you go, man, that was terrible yesterday or I, that was not good. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're really struggling or whatever it is. And, but it's like, but knowing that God is saying, but I want you here. Right. And I'm going to work through you. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's some confidence that comes in there. It's like, okay, Absolutely. well then let's, let's get, let's get the yeah. job done. You know, you want to be able to stand in the face of critics. Yeah. You got to have confidence, but your confidence isn't in your, in your greatness. It's in God's greatness. Mm-hmm. So John, and you recommended resources. You kind of mentioned, uh, some of the, uh, Muhammad or whatever. And yeah. I don't know if you have any resources regarding uh, sure. that. But. Um, yeah, there, you know, there's some, some good websites that deal with, with those, you know, you're kind of putting me on the spot as far as remembering what exactly those I are. I love doing that, John. Yeah. I always right? try to, usually you avoid it pretty well or you uh, not avoid it, but you answer the question pretty well. Yeah. I'm always pretty impressed actually, to be honest with you. But <laughs> so it always makes me feel good to be like, Oh yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to cults and things like that, you know, Walter Martin had his classic book on the cults. Kingdom of the cults is, is very good. And he deals with a lot of a lot of those things as far as the cults are concerned, and and I believe he be, deals with both Islam and Mormonism. Um, you know, so those those would be very good. Um, yeah, and then another resource just when it comes to humility, I think, is a book called Humilitas. I can't remember the author off the top of my head right now, but it's about leadership, and um, and it's about you know having having humility and leadership. And I think that's also a very good resource. So, John, uh, I know you didn't prepare the sermon, yeah. but can you give us a? Uh, a takeaway, big yeah. idea for the week. Yeah, I, th- I think I think probably the takeaway I would say this is is uh, you know don't don't boast in your weakness, boast in God's greatness. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.